Again, we thank you that it is only in Christ and Christ alone that we stand, that we are secure in him. Father, we ask that though that is true, we want to have more. Not more in our relationship in the sense of anything that you could give, but Lord, we want to give you more of ourselves. Lord, we want to have a greater desire to pursue you. Lord, help us to be content with many things on this earth, but help us not to be content in our walk with you. There should be a pursuit. There should be a craving on our, on our behalf as far as wanting to get into your word even more, wanting to have a closer walk with you. Father, thank you that all the treasures in Christ have been given to us, and yet we have this, this old man, this flesh, and we battle. And Lord, I pray that we would be, as it were, treasure hunters. As we get into your word, we would be spending time, effort, energy. Lord, help us not to just be like a beachcomber that whatever happens to be on the surface will pick up and enjoy, but help us to be more like a scuba diver that's willing to make sacrifice for the, the rich treasures. Father, again, we pray that you would give us wisdom. I ask that Proverbs 2 would be opened up to us now, that you would convict us in areas that need conviction and that we would change and grow for you. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, Junior Church is dismissed. you like to turn in Proverbs chapter 2. I didn't know what Bob Baker and ABF was going to be teaching on, but he taught on Proverbs 1, so this is good. I'm veering from Galatians for the purpose, because of VBS, some asked, why don't you do a message on searching, or something like that. We were talking about the Rock of Ages, discovering that Jesus Christ is the only one who really matters. How do you gain the treasure of Christ is through the Word of God. So really we're talking about searching, and Proverbs chapter 2 is about searching. And I'm going to start where I think Bob ended in class, and that is in chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Actually, 1 to 4. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. Then, that's when you have to do that. You have to put that energy in. You know, I, I understand. By the way, let me, let me say up front. I understand that when it's all said and done, no man seeks God. That it is Christ himself that sought you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it's because God awakened your heart. God searched after you. But yet it does say to search him and you will be able to find him when you search with, for him with all your heart. In other words, there, there is a human responsibility and especially after salvation, there is much for the Christian to do in pursuing God. Not that you get any more of God. Once you get saved, the blessings of God, all the blessings of God have been given to you in Christ. And yet there's so much more to, as it were, to be revealed that he has given that we need to put effort towards. Okay, I guess you'll see more of that as we go on. But the idea is that we are to search. We are to put effort into the, the Christian walk. 
You know, the world searches for a lot of things. I remember years ago when I was a counselor, and I don't agree with this, but they said the two main needs of any person is security and significance. Larry Crabb, I think, pushed that big time. You know, that's not the ultimate need. I'm not saying those aren't felt needs, but they're not the most critical. You're not going to die without significance. You're not going to die without security. But there's other things we search for. Popularity. We search for power. We search for, for position. For prosperity, wealth, all the different things. I mean, you could go on and on. All the things that people are searching for. Those aren't all wrong, but again, if you put them as priority, they are. It was interesting. A few, many, many years ago, actually, 20 some now, a man named Mel Fisher <clears throat> searched and was handsomely rewarded for his search. He was a chicken farmer by trade, but he turned treasure hunter. He searched for gold and found it. He suffered many personal losses to keep his dream alive during those 16 years. Heavy financial outlay, the death of his son and daughter-in-law, and he endured over 100 court battles which ended in victories in the U.S. Supreme Court. This man searched. You might say, what did he search for? After 16 years of looking for one specific Spanish galleon wreck, this is, I think you say it, Nustra Senora de Atasha, he discovered it. He discovered it on July 20th, 1985, in 55 feet of water near Key West, Florida. His divers have salvaged and recovered and estimated. Now, this was, these were 1995, I think, estimates. $450 million of treasure known as the Atasha Motherlode. $450. Now, you know the price of gold and silver. That is worth well over a billion dollars. Now, again, he had sacrifice. This is what he found on that ship. It included 40 tons of gold and silver, some 127,000 Spanish silver coins known, known as pieces of eight, gold coins, 700 highly qual, high quality Colombian emeralds, roughly 2,500 lighter stones, golden and silver artifacts, 900 silver bars averaging nearly 70 pounds apiece. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Just give me one of those bars. <laughs> Preferably gold. And this was only half of the known treasure on that particular ship when it sailed and when it went down. That was only half of it. But it didn't come easy. They toiled long and hard with metal detectors, diving to investigate every metallic hit. Can you imagine the, you know, when they, oh, is it? Oh, and how many times they were disappointed. The dreams and work eventually paid off, and today Mel Fisher is rich. In fact, you can go on his uh, website, just, just type in Natasha, and you can go right to it, or Mel Fisher. But the point I, th I thought about when I read that is, what if he had quit? What if he didn't go the, the distance of the 16 years? What if he wasn't willing to go through the 100 court cases? What if he quit after his son and daughter-in-law died? You know, what if he quit after the first discouragement, or the second, or the hundredth, or the thousandths even? What if he quit when it, when it was year 13? He would have been discouraged and broke at that point. Now, we, we raise him up as, one, as a, a human hero in the sense, in the right sense. But again, there's something so much more precious than just finding a boatload of gold and silver. You know, Proverbs chapter 3, next chapter over, says this, Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Happy. The, the idea of that word happy is, is ecstatic. 
It's life transforming. It's not just happy like, you know, you get a birthday gift and yeah, I don't know, why did they give me another shirt and then you throw it off to the side? No, no, I mean, this is ecstatic. Ecstatic is the man who finds wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? Wisdom is applied truth. In fact, I think I heard that downstairs today, applied truth. Wisdom is using the knowledge that you have of God and using it in daily life. It's skilled living, if you will. Skilled living. Happy is the man who knows how to live well before God's Word, according to God's Word. And the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds, wisdom's proceeds, understanding's proceeds, are better, better beyond that of profits of silver and gains of fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire. Now that's saying everything in this world, anything that you could possibly put your hand on, anything that possibly could come your way as far as you think blessing, all the things you may desire cannot compare with her wisdom. Nothing that you could get is more important than wisdom. So as we go to Proverbs chapter 2, I want you to think about that. Nothing is so important as wisdom. See, we can, we can spend our lives pursuing a lot of things. And by the way, we do. A lot of different things. And many times we'll hear the excuse by my, ourselves or others, I don't have time, especially when it relates to the Word of God, prayer, ministry, others, things of the kingdom. I don't have time. We can pursue a lot of things. We can pursue those things of popularity and position. We can pursue security through finances. We can pursue even, perhaps, relationships that make us feel good. But again, when it comes to right down to it, there's nothing to compare to wisdom. Knowing God's Word and using that to, to live a, a godly life, skilled living, applied truth, however you want to say that. It's using the knowledge. By the way, that we got into a conversation downstairs about knowledge, wisdom, and Knowledge is, knowledge is the foundation of wisdom. You don't have knowledge, you can't have wisdom. It's, it's what wisdom comes off of, grows out of. It's, it, it's, the, it's the rocks. It's, the, it's not wrong to have knowledge. You're supposed to pursue knowledge, but it has to be pursued knowledge that's going to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. That's why, in other words, we get into the Word of God so that we might walk with Him. That's the blessed man. That's, that's living out wisdom. Well, let's, let's see this because chapter 2 really plays this out big time as far as what are some of the things that you need to do if you're going to really live out a life of wisdom. And then also he gives you some benefits. And I'm going to try in the next 25 minutes to go through the entire chapter. I don't know. We might be here till 2 o'clock. Uh, let's look at the importance of cherishing wisdom. First of all, the appeal to pursue wisdom. If you look at verses 1 to 4, if you think of verses 1 to 4 like a map, and again, the greatest treasure that can be had is, is following God. And again, when you say wisdom, there's other words that are also kind of a social, discernment, equity, judgment, again, knowledge, instruction. All those things kind of play together. They all have specific definitions, but they're all moving towards the same goal, walking with God. Okay? So you're going to see different, you're going to see the word commandment or the word law, you know, and just different words. But just understand, they're all moving towards living for God according to his word. But again, in verses 1 to 4, this is like a map. The verbs, there's eight verbs, are like the arrows on a map directing you to the treasure. 
So when you see the verb, think of it that way. Okay, he's, he's given us more direction on how to get to the treasure. How to mine the truth from God's Word. The first couple verses is really dealing with our what is our attitude towards existing wisdom or others' wisdom. Because it's Solomon talking to his son. Now again, Solomon wrote Scripture, writing this. And he's saying, my son, if you receive my words, now you might just say he's stopping. Well, no, no, at his own words, like human wisdom. No, no, he's saying my words in the sense of what I've been given from God. These are the things I'm asking you to listen to. But notice, it's a father talking to a son. This is not, you didn't come up with this, son. I'm giving this to you, okay, type of thing. In other words, what is our attitude towards others' wisdom, other people's wisdom, true biblical wisdom? My son, if you receive my words and command or, and my commands within you, mine. Notice the two mine. Mine. You've got to receive. That means take hold of. So, what's the first thing that a treasure hunter needs to do to accept wisdom's words? You need to be willing to receive it. Many times, people come to the word of God, they hear the word of God, and they reject the word of God. We have to be open to what we what God wants to give us. And sometimes this is what happens. You see this in counseling periodically. You tell someone what God wants them to know, and you know what they do? Reject it. You tell a teenager, this is the standard for dating, and they reject it. You tell a husband, this is what you must do to honor God, not to make your marriage even happy. That's not even the main issue. To walk with God, and they reject it. And that's why Solomon says, listen, son, if you receive my words and treasure... My commands. Look at the treasure. What is treasure? In other words, you don't re- reject it or discard it. And, and when you think of the word treasure, it, it, it has an element of time with it. What's interesting about the Word of God is many times you pick up a truth, but you may not need it for a while. You just keep it there. I like to say you throw it in the crock pot. You take a truth and you just throw it in the crock pot and let it simmer because when you put meat in the crock pot, it tenderizes it, it makes it tender and delicious and you had a few spices uh no, let's not go there but anyways the point is is do you see what he's saying receive it and treasure it i have a ring at home it's not really even very expensive ring it's it's gold but it's, i think it's only 10 carat it's it's got a probably not a very good stone on it but that was my grandfather's ring okay yeah i know i can tell you exactly where it is now, I have my class ring somewhere between here, when I went to high school, between here and Brockton. <laughs> I don't even know where it is. I didn't care about my class ring. I, I, but my grandfather's ring, I treasure that. When it comes to the Word of God, we need to treasure it. Sometimes you put it in the crock pot, but it's a, and you need to let it simmer. And you know what? I find when you are, then you start meditating on it, and that's where you, you get application. By the way, application is primarily for you to get. I, I, I'm not, I don't know if I like the idea of, well, you know, you have to give application. You really are giving more implications. This is how this can be used. In other words, you might, you might be talking, I might be preaching on being a servant. But think about this. I can't apply that to 200 people. But if you're a wife, you need to learn how to be a servant to your husband. If you're a mother, to the kids. If you're an employer, employee, to the employee, you t- 
Okay? Or maybe it's how to be a servant in an Olympian club. Or you know what? VBS was getting really hot and I wasn't really learning how to be a servant. Well, now you, now that's what you have to learn. So you, alright, here's the truth. But now, how you use it, it's, it's implied, but then you take it and, okay, now this is how it is applied to me. The application itself is personal. Many times, I think we're looking for, Pastor, I want you to give it all to me. You know who can do that for you? Only the Spirit of God. I, I can give, and by the way, this, is, this just bleeds with application. Treasure, receive, that's application. But God will speak to you in a certain way and say, you know what, that's what you're not doing. That's what's amazing to me with this marriage thing. I have taught marriage videos and marriage seminars and marriage classes, you know, for the... And yet, it's amazing to me that you, I, so and I went, and like I was convicted. I knew that stuff. This that we're offering here, Art of Marriage, is very, very good. And I was convicted. Because the Spirit of God takes it and said, this is how it applies to you personally, right there, John. So you're supposed to receive, you're supposed to treasure... Job said this, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Few of us do it that way. That, that, that intense. More than even food. Or Psalms 119, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, that's the first thing. Receive treasure. Look at the second verse. So that, now by the way, now he's moving. There's a movement here, but it's all based on Solomon saying, listen, this is my wisdom I'm passing to you. So that you incline your ear to wisdom and you apply your heart. But notice it's the you. You incline your ear and apply you. You're the one that needs to apply it to your heart. He says, incline your ear. He must turn his ear and heart to listen and obey. That's what the son needs to do. What you say, Dad? What you say, Teacher? What did you say, Word of God? That's inclining. And the word incline is the verb form. I mean, it's in the verb form of choosing. It's, it's you putting your foot... In other words, it's, it's not coming into a service and saying, I dare you to teach me something. <laughs> it's coming in thirsty. It's coming in like you came, if any of you ever worked out on uh, hay and, and forgot the water, and four hours later you come in, you're thirsty if it's an 85-degree day and the sun's been beating down on you. I hope you came in today thirsty. Incline your ear. Apply. Again, that's still in that hifil, which is in the, in the idea of choosing. Choose to incline your ear. Choose to apply. The word apply means to stretch. Stretch out. To turn to the truth. Put yourself seriously in the study. In other words, it's a spiritual quest. They believe, they will believe what it says and go in the direction that it pushes them to. That's what you do with other people's wisdom. My son. But now look at verse 3. I think he changes. It's almost like, and this is really a parenting thing. (coughs) Parenting goes from me telling them what to do and saying, if you don't believe it, if you don't do it, I'm going to spank you, to hopefully by the time they're 13, 15, 17, they are now saying, yeah, I buy into what mom and dad have taught me. They become self-feeders. They become uh, excited about the things of God. 
What is your attitude towards self-feeding or future wisdom? He says, yes, if you cry out for discernment. I just see a, diff- a change there. He's, he's saying it from, you know, I've been feeding you, but now you've got to be self-feeding. You're gonna, you have to be the one that cries out. Cries out for discernment. Lifts up their voice for understanding. You know, can you see the, uh, the, the, this man or his son? He's saying, listen, you should be on even your knees sometimes, crying out for, for what God has for you. I call it the DQ. I think it's in your thing. DQ, what is your desiring quotient? You know, we have the IQ. What's your DQ? How much do you desire it? How much would you give up to really, to really start delving deeper into God's Word? What would you be willing to give up? What would you be willing to give up, not just to be a beachcomber that happens just to get whatever is on the surface, but to actually go below, below the surface? There's a desire. I mean, these are intense words. Cry out for discernment. Lift up your voice. James says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to you. Ask God. I mean, we're talking... These are prayer words. That's probably why... I think it was uh, uh, Tyndale, back 500 years ago... He read the Scriptures on his knees. I'm not necessarily advocating you to do that, but you get the point there, don't you? He's saying, listen, Lord, unless you you, uh, minister to me, unless you show me, unless your Spirit opens and gives me illumination, I I, I won't get it. I'll get a bunch of knowledge, but I won't be able to use it in my life. I need your conviction, Lord. I need your change. I need your power. And then he gets even more intense in verse 4. If you seek at her as silver, and that word seek is the only time this, the, the verb sense is PL. It's the intensive. I've, in the Hebrew, it's, it's, the, it's my most interesting word that I come across, that verb tense, the PL. Because it's the intense. It's, I think I've told you a few times, if, if you took a glass and accidentally dropped it and it fell on the ground and broke, that's the, the cow. It broke. But if you said the glass broke in the PL, that means this. You took the thing, wham! And it, that wasn't even enough. You took your maw, and when it was shattered and smashed, that's the PL. That's the intensive. And so when he says, if you seek her as silver, he's saying you put your heart into it. Because she is more precious. Understanding and wisdom is more precious than silver. You put your... As silver. I mean, if I told you... I almost did this today. I almost did it. And it wasn't because I was thinking of losing the money. I didn't want the place to be tore up. But within this church building right here, I was going to hide a $50 bill. And I... I figured out exactly where I would hide it and tell you afterwards, if any of you want to find it, if you find it, you can keep it. But then again, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> I'll even see some adults maybe like tear apart chairs because I was going to make it and I was going to put it in a chair where you could only see one eighth of an inch and it was going to be underneath, and, but you would have had to really tear everything apart. And I didn't do it, so don't do that. But if I had told, what if I told you there was a thousand dollars, and you just bring me the little tag and you got the thousand? You would really search, right? 
Well, all that is, this is more intense than all that. If you seek her as silver, if you search for her as for hidden treasure, again, there's diligence, there's intensity in that. Because what's the treasure that is being searched for? It's wisdom, but let me give you a little bit more. It's not just wisdom. It's, it's the knowledge of the one true God. That's what we're talking about here. It's knowing God. That's why he says, seek for... It's not just wisdom in the sense of, well, listen, I can tell you how to be a better dad. That's wisdom. But what this is all pointing towards is knowing God. Knowing the one true God of the universe. That's why we were willing to put such intensity in searching for her. So those are, those are, that's the road map, verses 1 to 4. And the verbs are the directional things. This is how you have to respond. Let's look at the second part. He goes from the appeal to the benefits or the results. And again, because of time, we'll have to go through these quickly. The first benefit is that wisdom, and you need to fill this in, leads us to God. As I was just saying, it's not just wisdom on how to become a better parent, how to run your finances better, how to become a better friend. Those are included. But it actually leads us to God, to the eternal one, to the holy one. Look at verse 5. It's it. Then, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Then you will. When you see God as the prize, then you'll. When you search, and, and again, when it's all said and done, I understand that God searches for us. But again, our hearts have to be open. We have to be willing to receive what the Word of God says. Some people say this, well, I want to receive Christ, but... There's no but. Then you'll receive. The point of the first benefit is that when you seek wisdom, you find God. You just find God. And you understand the fear of the Lord. That's the greatest of the treasures. Uh, Chapter 1 of Proverbs says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the very starting point. And chapter 9, verse 10 says it's fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. It appears all over the place. It appears 45 times in Psalms, almost 20 times in Proverbs, almost 20 times in the New Testament. You see this all over the place. Fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. And so you say, what is it? Again, it's an awe. It's a respect. It's a reverence. There's an element of actual fear, terror. You can't get away from that in that one. In other words, you, you'll, you'll get to know who God really is. If you're a sinner and have not yet received Jesus Christ, wisdom will show you that without receiving Jesus Christ, that your destiny is hell. That should create terror. But that the solution is Jesus Christ on the cross. That Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sin and you can be forgiven made a part of the family of God, and your home would be heaven. That's the fear of the Lord. That's the fear of the Lord for the unsaved. But for the saved person, it should be this. That if I really get to know Jesus Christ and God, if I get to know God, should there be a a sense of fear, knowing that if I veer from His path, He will chasten me? What's the answer to that? Should there be a holy reverence for the Holy One? Or should we just, well, He's my Father and He'll understand. 
No, some of you are going through severe consequences perhaps at this very moment because maybe all you think of God, well, He's my Father and He loves me and He understands that I'm in a sinning state. Well, no, God will bring you along. I fear, I fear His chastisement. It can get very, very severe. So the fear of the Lord is both the severity aspect but also the reverence aspect. Keep them together. Don't try, don't try to dice God up to suit your purposes. Right? God is holy. But again, the very beginning point is the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of knowledge. So in the New Testament, the idea, I mean, if you, if you bring it on in full bore, is this. It's salvation. I really believe, to say it this way, the fear of the Lord is a synonymous term with salvation. It's just the Old Testament type of term. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What do we find in the New Testament? Jesus Christ. He's your starting point. In Christ, we stand alone. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1 says this. Again, he's talking about you must receive the Lord Jesus, who, verse 30, who became for us the wisdom from God. Jesus Christ is the wisdom from God. Because when we look at Christ, he, as John says, he explained God to us. We see Christ, we see the Father. If we want a relationship with God, we come through Jesus Christ. He's the starting point. It's at that very moment that you receive Christ that you first understand the fear of the Lord. That He is holy, that He will judge, and He has judged His Son. On my behalf, I can receive Him. So again, the fear of the Lord is a synonymous synonymous term with salvation. And we can find it. We can find the knowledge of God. One author said this, If knowledge about God and the things of God do not drive us to know Him more personally, we can be sure that our true motivation and commitment of gaining knowledge are centered in ourselves rather than Him. Now, let me just back this up. So when we're talking about knowledge and wisdom, again, I want to make sure we understand... Hey, then you'll find the fear of the Lord. That means you'll have the understanding. You go to the Scriptures, you search the Scriptures, what is it going to point to? The fear of the Lord. What is that? Jesus Christ. He, he, that's the starting point of the Christian life. But then as you mature through, and you're, you know, we get knowledge, and we're a Bible church. We preach the Bible. But I'm afraid that as we... As we go through this verse and, and it says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Sometimes that's all we're finding is knowledge. The point is this. If this knowledge that you get today, yesterday, in your daily devotions do not drive us to a closer walk with God, the eternal God, a more personal, like uh, Paul says, Philippians, that I might know Him. We didn't know Him, Paul. You knew Him. You were the apostle when you wrote it. Caught up in the third heaven. What do you mean, know Him? The word is gnosko. It's, it's experientially. I want to really know Him. I want to have that intimate relationship with Him. Many of you know my wife. But after living with her for 28 years, I can tell you all kinds of intricacies about her. Okay, I really know her. Alright? None of you will be able to ever say that about her. When it comes to Jesus Christ, it's not just a relationship with Him in the sense of salvation. It's the knowledge of God that, that as we are, precept upon precept, we are getting to know Him 
And, and then we go through a trial. And instead of being all anxious, we're just a little anxious. And then we quickly repent and we see how God just worked. Yes, and I can trust Him. And I know everything will be okay. And you know, I used to find my satisfaction and my hope in some of the news stations. What are the politicians doing? But that doesn't really matter because God's in control. See, that's really knowing Him. Nah, His plan is being executed. Israel is safe. Nobody's going to destroy Israel until the very end. Okay? The very, very, very end, some other things are going to happen. But not like it's being painted today. Why? Because God, I, I walk with Him. See, that's what He wants. He wants us to walk with Him. Our devotion should drive us deeper to walking with Him. Not just knowing a few tidbits about Him. That's the first thing about uh, the benefit of pursuing wisdom. Then, if you haven't underlined then, that's a very key word because it's a transition. Then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. He's the source. He's the treasure. He is the treasure. Verse 7, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield. He is, uh, he, he is a shield uh, for those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of His saints. He stores, he shields, he guards, he preserves the ideas. He's the protector. Because I've really got to know him. And I can trust in his protection. Well, number two, let me give you another result. You pursue wisdom, verse 9. Then you understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. This is wisdom gives discernment for living. Discernment. Those words of righteousness, justice, equity, every good path, is discerning the, the good path from the wrong path. The unjust path from the righteous path. Okay? You get into God's Word, you get to know God. Not only do you, does it bring you into a relationship with God through Christ alone, but you get driven deep into who God is. But then it also gives you discernment for how to live. You're able to discern, again, what is right and just and fair and every good path. Let me just give you thoughts on these. The word understanding has to do with conviction. It's not just knowing it, but it's actually being convicted by what you know. So it gives you conviction. What is right? What is wrong? What is sin? What is good? What is evil? What is good? You know, it's just... There's discernment, understanding. There's righteousness, the idea of judge. You can judge. You're willing to judge. You're willing to speak the the judgment. In other words, you're willing to call this is sinful and this is not sinful. Homosexuality is sinful. Abortion is wrong. It's sinful. Dating an unbeliever is wrong. Marrying an unbeliever is wrong. It's sad because, you know, it's funny, not funny, but it's, it's odd. We will say those things until it affects our own family or our own children. And then all of a sudden things are like, well, hmm, you don't understand. He's a really good guy. He's a really good girl. She's a really good girl. No, it's wrong. It doesn't matter if he does it or she does it. Absolute. But that's what the Word of God does. Then you understand you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. Then you'll understand and you'll be willing to hold true to it in equity. I like this word, every good path. Um, in its noun form, it was used of a, the track of a wagon wheel. And the idea is the trench. It, it, it keeps you on the right path. You just get, 
you know, going down that path and it's a well-worn path and you be, you're comfortable with living on the good path. That's what wisdom does. It makes you, I say, comfortable in the right sense because you're convicted and you know this is the right thing. Even if my parents and siblings and they don't want me to live this way, I've got the strength of God. I can go down that well-worn path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, pleasant, delightful. Lord, I wouldn't want to veer from that path because it's so pleasant. This is what I want. And discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you. I'm going to have to really hurry now. The third thing is it protects you from the evil man. Look at this. uh, Verse 12, I think he's not just talking about evil, but there's an implication of man. Maybe he's talking about a man and woman in verse 16. But to deliver you from the evil way, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the path of uprightness to walk in the path of darkness. Go down from 12 to 15. It protects you from the evil path. It's sad how many parents, how many kids, how many college kids go off into the evil path once they leave the protection of the home. But look at this, verses 16 to 19. It also protects you from the evil woman, the immoral woman. How many men have fallen for the immoral woman? And by the way, she is subtle. Verse 16, she's a seductress who flatters with her words. And look at what she says in verse 14. I have peace offerings with me. In other words, I'm religious. I'm still walking with my God. Look at this. Verse 15. So I came to meet you and diligently to seek your face and I have found you and you're the perfect one. She is very subtle. Yearning for you. And it's exciting. I have spread my bed with tapestry colored coverings from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. I mean, it's going to be the best that you've ever had it. And it's going to be fulfilling. We can take our, take our fill of love until morning. It will be satisfying and it will be safe because look at this. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken money and he's going to come back on the appointed day. There's no chance of being discovered. You're safe. Just follow me. Just click me on. Just change the channel to me. Just talk to me for a little bit. Just, just, just. Boy, how many men have been... Look at verse 17. I think this is the actual antidote. Who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. I don't have time, but I think in verse 17 and 18 are the antidotes for every one of those things that she was talking about from 14 to 20 or 14 to 19 okay she laid out a pattern and said man it's safe it's exciting it's just it's going to be great you're not going to ever be found out and i think he just explodes it in those last few verses the idea of this is that wisdom will protect you from the evil way and the evil woman If you want blessing by God, you've got to follow after what God says. Because chapter 5 of Proverbs says, The immoral woman's feet go down to death. She She lays hold of hell. Well, enough of all that. How about verse 20 of here? 
so you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the path of righteousness. I think the last few verses of chapter 2 is referring to wisdom enables us to do what is right and to enjoy the blessing of God. You're able to walk in the way of goodness in the path of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off and the unfaithful will be uprooted. And I think he's actually, that is like Deuteronomic uh, thinking there. Okay, what do I mean? In Deuteronomy, there's the blessing. You do what is right, you're going to inherit the land. He's kind of alluding to that. You follow wisdom, you follow God, you follow knowing God, you follow in the right path of God, you'll be safe. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed just like Moses told the Israelites when they came out of the land. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed if you follow him. But if you don't, you'll be cut off. Blessing is connected to obedience. Blessing is connected. Does God want to bless your life as a believer? Yes. And yet we fight it and we fight it and we, and we, we chew on all the trinkets of this world. All the stuff that cannot give you true satisfaction, it is so easy. And I don't say you, you, I say us, we. We have a tendency to move towards that. We'll give excuse and why we don't and why we don't pursue God as we ought. And yet he's given us all the blessings in Christ. The issue is not us getting more of God. The issue is us being given more to God. God having more of us, as it were. And God wants to bless And he's given us his word. And here's the treasure. And the first treasure is Christ himself, a relationship with him. And yet sometimes we just fold it up and we don't use it. Maybe we'll grab it for the next Sunday. I remember a story of an elderly man. He lived in New Jersey. And he made a very unusual discovery as he leafed through an old family Bible. This is what happened. Many years earlier, his aunt had died and left it to him. This old family Bible. Part of her will read this. To my beloved Stephen Marsh, I bequeath my family Bible and all it contains, along with all the residue of my estate after the funeral expenses and just and lawful debts are paid. When everything had been settled, the nephew got a few hundred bucks, plus the old volume mentioned in the will. So he had the Bible, and he was happy with it. He just stored it. After the money was used up, his only support was a small pension, and for more than 30 years he lived in poverty. Then one day he cleaned out his attic and in preparation for a move to his son's home where he hoped to spend the rest of his old age. Therein in the trunk was the book. And just because it had been so long since he had seen it, he opened it up. And you know what he found? Money. Hundred. Another hundred. Money. He never even looked at it. And it turned out to have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in that book, in that old family Bible. He had lived like in poverty, but he had quite a bit of wealth because at that time, even that was a lot more money than it is today. But he never looked into it. Now again, we're not talking physical, we're talking spiritual wealth. Have you opened the book? Have you opened the book to investigate? This is where the wealth is. But remember, you seek for her as for silver, P-L, intense, intense. Lord, I'm willing to make sacrifice. 
I'm willing to sometimes endure hardship to read it. I, I notice over the years, some of my the things that have blessed me the most as far as teaching have been sermons and messages that I worked real hard at. At the beginning of the week or the beginning, I had to really throw that in the crock pot and really cook it down. It took me a lot of work to figure out, oh, that's what you're saying there. And then it makes like total sense. But it may have taken me a lot of time to get to that point. That's what you're talking about. The treasures aren't laying out. It, I, I like to compare it between, as I've been saying, a beachcomber and a scuba diver. Beachcomber. It's warm. It's easy. Man, I used to love walking the beach up at Sandy Pond. Oh, look at that. And there's periodically I would find this. Like, oh, that's a lure. Fish lure. Some string. Oh, that is so neat. But, but it was just surface. And it was fun. It was enjoyable. It didn't take a lot of effort. If I didn't find anything, no big deal. But, you know, it was always fun to come home with something. One sandal. What are you going to do with that? But, you know. A scuba diver, 55 feet in water, 100, 000, uh, or 100 different court cases. But he got the mother load. He finally got the billion dollars. He's rich. Why? Because he was willing to sacrifice... Even his own son, he didn't kill his son, but in the process, his son drowned along with his daughter-in-law. But the point is, he was willing to make sacrifices. But you know, if I really wanted to buy something, I don't really care about the beachcomber. I would go to the treasure hunter. You know, with us, we need to be treasure hunters. By the way, it's not wrong to be a beachcomber. Sometimes you just get in the Word of God, and man, it's right there, it's right on the surface. Yes, thank you, Lord. But if that becomes the norm... I would say, you know what? That's where you're going to stay. We need to get deeper. We need to get deeper. We need to be on, let's say, a pattern of of Bible reading. Or you might say, you know what? It's hard for me to be the treasure hunter. You know what? I'm going to ask, God, I know that you've given other treasure hunters over the years, and I'm going to pick up one of their books to help me to get deep. I I, I mentioned that because I've heard over the years, well, if you're really spiritual, just get into the Word of God. Well, wait a second. God gave teachers. Those are, the, those are some of the best treasure hunters out there. These deep teachers. You take uh, A.W. Tozer, MacArthur. You take uh, David Jeremiah. How many of you love David Jeremiah? He is a treasure hunter. Pick up one of those books and say, you know, Lord, I want to I really get deeper. I'm having a hard time with time, or even I have the ability, but... I can hire one of them to help me get deeper into the Word of God. It's going to take effort on your part, though, because you don't just go for the knowledge. You go there because I want transformation. I want relationship. But do you see the difference between a beachcomber and a scuba diver? And I think in your life we need both. I don't, I'm not saying that one is... But if you say this, I know there was a track out years ago, Seven Minutes with God. Right here. That's beachcomber. Is that wrong? No. There's times in my life I've had seven minutes with God. I've gotten up. Lord, I am so busy. Lord, just give me... And He showed me grace. But Lord, I need those times where I'm more of a scuba diver. I'm Because my well is dry. That will, that will create dryness in my well over time. And so I've got to come over here. So you'll find yourself maybe going back and forth. Okay? Some days it's like you're just a beachcomber. You pick up that jewel and you run with it and you see how God uses in transformation. 
But Lord, I need, I need to have some time. Boy, this is a great time to get your well deeper because many of us are on vacations and stuff like that. But I find it, if you don't purpose, your vacations will become worthless spiritually. Take a good book. Lord, help me to see a truth so I can be transformed with, by you. Okay? Be a beachcomber and a scuba diver all at once. Because why? Not just to get the facts so I can prove it to someone else. Lord, I want my relationship to you with you to be deep. And if there's something in my life I need to change right now and repent, I'll even do that, Lord, because I want you. I want to walk with you. As Paul said, that I might know him. Let's stand as we worship the king.